Anne Boleyn was the infamous mistress turned scandalous second wife of King Henry VIII. After her marriage to history's greatest fuckboy, she was also, for a brief time, the Queen of England. Or at least she was, until she got executed by her own husband. So why did Anne lose her pretty head? Oh, just girly things like conspiracy against the king, adultery, incest, oh, and witchcraft. But don't buy into the bad press about Anne Boleyn too quickly. She was also one of the most intelligent and cunning rulers in all of English history. And there was so much more to her life than just her violent end. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this series has one goal, to make history fun. Because it turns out that when you take away the old words and fancy titles, anyone who made history was probably a bit of a hot mess. This week, as part of our series on our favorite queens in history, we're discussing Anne Boleyn. She had maybe the most scandalous reign in all of English history, and that's saying something. So let's dive in and get to know one of history's most iconic bad girls. Let's do it. So Anne starts her life annoyingly hot and beautiful just from the (laughs) get-go. She's also known as being very charming. However, she also gains a reputation for a less rosy reason. She was also known for being very quick-tempered, very impatient, and very, very witty. And what do you get when you combine those things? You get a woman who could really cut a bitch. Anne becomes known at court for these devastating clapbacks. And over time, people learn that you do not mess with Anne Boleyn. Anne Boleyn messes with you. Her family was involved in courtly life from the very beginning. So it made sense that Anne cut her teeth in the world of power schemes and royal palaces by taking a position as one of the Queen of France's ladies-in-waiting. When she was done with that, she came back to England. And obviously, she's immediately the hot girl in the office. She had that ooh-la-la, she had that je ne sais quoi, you know, like... Yeah, she literally has that je ne sais quoi, because she's just been in France. (laughs) Yes, and her her fashions were, like, were French, too, and seen as slightly just sexier and more seductive. Yeah, everyone everyone was like, who's that girl? Who's that lady? Who's that lady? I love it. I love it. That's her theme song. Um, I don't know if you know that, but it's true. Uh, yes. So she she comes to court and she's kind of in the full her full power. Really, she's so beautiful. She's so new. Um, the other kind of interesting thing is that Henry had been as the other Boleyn girl. The bookend movie kind of uh, goes into Henry had been sleeping with Anne's sister Mary and he had a thing for Boleyn girls like definitely had a type and it was Boleyn woman wasn't there also a rumor that he slept with their mom yes although he he claimed his his famous quote is never with the mother (laughs) (laughs) but then you're like oh okay so you did bang her sister then you're telling me you banged her sister yeah he told on himself (laughs) (laughs) so when Anne makes her court debut uh, in 1522 at this this dance alongside her sister Mary, everyone is is all over it. Um, at this point, Henry VIII is married to Catherine of Aragon, but she's only given him one daughter, the future Queen Mary I, and then just a bunch of stillborn or fatally uh, sickly sons. Nothing at all in the way of a male heir that Henry was 
infamously obsessed with getting. So Henry's really unhappy. He's already taken Mary as well as um, a bunch of other mistresses. And he's looking for comfort and consolation in the bosoms of other women at this point. So he's basically primed for his eye to land on Anne. Is there anything that screams supportive husband more than your wife just going through endless stressful pregnancies and miscarriages and losing these children she does manage to give birth to? And uh, you respond by just aggressively hitting on her friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her, her ladies in waiting like, oh, oh, Catherine, so, sorry, sorry about that. I'm just going to go to Anne's room now. You don't probably don't want me bothering you. So sorry about that life-threatening childbirth experience. I just got to nip out here and bonk your friend. <laughs> yeah, you don't want me around. So I'll just, I'll just be over here. <laughs> now, I do want to say, though, that although this is the atmosphere that Anne enters into, history really gets one part of Anne's life wrong, which is that she didn't come to court in a push-up bra being like, Henry, Henry. Like, first of all, Henry was getting kind of not that hot. <laughs> he used to be super hunky, but he um, he had this, like, accident, uh, this riding accident that gave him leg ulcers, and he, he like, just was, like, kind of just going to seed at this point. So she was not all over him. She actually fell in love with a man named Henry Percy, who was the Ooh. Earl of Northumberland. And they had a bit of a dalliance when she first entered court. I had no idea about that. Yeah, that is just not something that history really pays attention to. They definitely pitch her as a femme fatale. Mm -hmm. She was all about Henry. Now, Henry was already engaged to another woman and his family didn't like Anne. So people put the kibosh on that. There's also a little bit of a... Some historians think that Henry actually had a lot of influence in shutting down their... Uh, relationship because he already had his eye on Anne. But yeah, Anne was not just like, mm, look at me, Henry, look at me. And then even when Henry VIII did start courting Anne in earnest, if you got to like read between the lines, in a, at least in one interpretation, Anne's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Like she, she didn't want to sleep with him. She didn't sleep with him for an extremely long time. Um, she didn't want to just be his like side piece and his mistress. And some people interpret that mm -hmm. as her not putting out because she wanted that crown and she knew the way that she was going to get that was by withholding sex which if that's true very smart Anne but the other way to interpret it is she's just like oh god how, how can I get out of this it's the, uh, gout. the king of she's, she's not, not down to bang this no. gouty man <laughs> also this man who he's not a sparkling orator yes he was a jock yeah, well, he was a jock. He 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 was a musician. He had an art. He had a poetic side, but it was like kind of like mediocre white man <laughs> artistry. I think like Brian Adams. It's not like he really worked hard on his craft or his elocution. Yeah, he's lucky he was king because that crown was doing a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> yeah. in the ladies' department. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I look at this period of Anne's life and I think. I think back to all those times I've been at a bar or something and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to flirt with this guy until I can leave, you know, like, how do I get out of this situation? And you never know. But I think that history has been painted her one way. And mm -hmm. there really is this period of like, oh, with Anne that we don't give enough credit to. Maybe she just was not down for that. 
Regardless of how she felt at the beginning, though, you really can't say no to a king of England. And by the late 1520s, she and Henry were definitely on. They were in a courtly relationship together. Again, even though Anne at that point still wasn't giving him any nookie. And this got quite complicated, very infamously so. Yeah, that may be putting it lightly. <laughs> We're now going to enter the dun 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 King's Great bum, bum, Matter. <laughs> this is where Henry spends the better part of a decade trying his butt off to divorce Catherine of Aragon so he can marry and bone Anne Boleyn. And the Catholic Church at the time, which didn't recognize divorce, was like, you can't do that. And Henry's like, yeah, but but like she used to be married to my brother, which by the way, she was. So like that's against God's law. So like that counts, right? And the church is like, I didn't know, not really. That's convenient timing, Henry. Just saying. Sounds convenient to me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then finally, Henry's just like, fine, I'm going to become the head of the church. It's going to be Anglican and then done. Now I'm going to marry Anne Boleyn. I love that the roots of the entire Anglican religion are that, is that, are that? Mm. A very sad dad really wanted to bang one of the other moms at the barbecue. Very illustrious backstory, guys. Good job. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Henry VIII, but he stopped at nothing to get what he wanted. Like, literally nothing. Literally created his own religion to get some poon. <laughs> yes. Uh, so while this is going on, though, poor Anne is getting dragged. Catherine of Aragon was really, really popular among the citizens, and Anne was not. They called her the king's whore. She even got attacked by a mob on the street once when she was walking out of a house on the Thames. Just really, her stock plummeted during this time that, that Henry's trying to, like, shove her in to be queen. In any case, Henry finally does make and his consort in 1533, although they actually had a secret marriage ceremony just a few months before this in 1532. Uh, but they officially get married in early 1533. And Anne is already pregnant at her coronation. So she's doing her wifely duty. They've slept together at this point, And it all moved incredibly fast from there. Because Henry as lest we forget, but as if we could ever forget, is salivating for a son. <laughs> he just burned his whole damn country down to chuck Catherine out and marry Anne. And here she is pregnant and it's going to be a boy and it's obviously going to be his heir. And like all his courtiers, all the astrologers, all the court physicians are, are telling him, yeah, 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 definitely a boy, a boy for sure. The stars say boy, Anne's body says boy, it's a boy. It was not a boy. <laughs> it was a little girl who Anne would name Elizabeth. And if that sounds familiar, that's because she would grow up to become the goddamn Queen Elizabeth the first. The OG. So no big deal there. Not that Henry cared about this. He was totally crestfallen. Anne was very upset too, and probably fearing for her life at this point, or at least for her crown, because once more, Catherine of Aragon just got the boot for not providing him a son, and here she is uh, giving him yet another girl. He already had Princess Mary. So she's on thin ice here. Um, just one sort of 
coda before we kind of move on into what what happens to Anne's downfall like how does she get into from this kind of thin ice to execution I want to just say that um as we noted before Anne had a really bad temper and so did Henry like they were quite volatile as a couple they often got into nasty spats and then they would make up and everything would be amazing after yeah definitely like a runs hot and cold on and off again yes and just after she gave birth to Elizabeth she actually got pregnant again so they had a brief a brief moment of reconciliation because oh she's it's everything's fine we're gonna have a boy now um and in january of 1536 they even seemed made up enough to unite against catherine of aragon for one last cruel go around she died in 1536 and when she died king henry and Amelyn dressed up resplendently in yellow in sunny sunny <laughs> yellow to celebrate Catherine of Aragon's so death. shady so petty and some some historians like kind of give them the benefit of the doubt they're like well yellow was the color of mourning in Spain where where Catherine was from so you know they, they could just be paying their respects and I just like I have never bought that I'm like have you seen Henry do you know what this man does like do you really think that he's like actually going to pay respects like that like maybe they did that to have plausible deniability but I'm not buying that they're hosting like- a rave after hours yeah exactly for sure. like Absolutely. what Henry propagandist is is asserting that this was actually just like a friendly <laughs> goodbye <laughs> anyway so after very pettily waving goodbye as Catherine of Aragon's coffin is like lowered into the ground. Things are actually (laughs) not looking very good for Anne. Lest we forget, Henry VIII has exactly one personality trait. It's that he's fully obsessed with having a son and (laughs) Anne is not able to give him one. Or, I mean, modern science has now told us, actually, Henry has not been able to give him one. Because we now know that men contribute the whatever sciencey thing it is that controls the baby's (laughs) sex. So, Henry, uh, maybe you should have chopped your own head off or, you know, a head further down your body. Just saying. (laughs) Would have saved us all a lot of grief. So Anne is pregnant and stressed as fuck. And on top of that, her marriage has more drama to deal with. So Henry has started hanging out with a girl named Jane Seymour. Mm. That name sounds familiar. Just wait. She, I'll just spoil it for you right now. She becomes Henry's third wife. Third of six. She's also, and this is less known, related to Anne. Fun fact, that's not fun at all. All of King Henry VIII's wives were related to each other, which is a sign that the nobility really needs to change up the gene pool. So Henry, because he's a horn dog for life, doesn't care that this woman is related to his current bride. He immediately strikes up an affair with Jane Seymour. Anne, poor thing, actually walks in one day and she sees Jane sitting on Henry's lap, which hard to get out of that one. This is where a bardcore version of Shaggy's Wasn't Me always plays in my head every single time I think about this. She even caught me on the counter. Wasn't me, but it was him. It was him. Henry really doesn't even try at all to hide his affair. Jane in particular rubs it in Anne's face. So all this stress leads Anne to miscarry the baby that she's currently pregnant with. Mm. So yeah, just Mm. remember that Henry's doing all this while his wife is pregnant. Great guy. (laughs) And when the physicians examine the baby's body, 
they discover that the baby was a son. Somehow, Henry blames the loss of his would-be heir, not on himself or the way he's been flaunting his affair with his new mistress, Jane Seymour, but on Anne, somehow. It's Anne's fault. And he decides, you know what? I I need a do-over. I has traded in Catherine for Anne so that I could get a male heir. Now Anne isn't giving me the male heir, so now I'm going to trade in Anne and level up to Jane, and she'll give me a male heir. Just got to get another wife swap. I really love, like... Well, so it's kind of hard looking back at history to realize that, like, Henry was married for Catherine for decades, a hugely long time. And he meets Anne and this kind of has this sea change and becomes <laughs> becomes the head of the church. And then afterwards, she's like, new wife, new wife, new wife, new wife, new wife, new wife. Like, he's broken the seal. He's just like, he gets immediately tired. And he's like, oh, I guess I could just do this again, right? Yeah, it's just like this hurdle race of like constant new wives, constant marriages, constant failed marriages. So he decides to do another wife swap. If Anne can't give him a son, well, that's fine. He'll just marry Jane. And it's not like the church can tell him he can't because he's made his own church and he's the boss of the church. There's absolutely no conflict of interest with him being the head of the Anglican church, as we can all see. And this time, with this breakup, Henry's like, "Mm, I did a divorce last time. And I really feel like it's going to be anticlimactic if I just repeat that. So let's up the stakes. Let's up the ante. He's like, God, Catherine was such a pain in my butt when I divorced her. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, women, so pesky. Wouldn't it be great if they were, I don't know, dead? (laughs) Joking, but not joking. So Henry just starts accusing Anne of literally everything. Being a witch, committing incest with her brother, plotting against Henry, who's somehow an innocent victim in in his telling of history. (laughs) Now, is any of this true? No, not at all. But that doesn't matter. Henry has decided he wants to get rid of Anne and get rid of Anne he does. He gets enough rumors and accusations flying that he Mm -hmm. gets the okay to execute his wife. And Anne at this point, like Anne is a smart cookie. She knows... What's going down? She knows she's not getting out of this. So she decides to go out like a true, a true G. Before Anne got to the chopping block, she actually was just so, so fucking cool. She looked at the person leading her there and she made this very, very dry British joke where she says, looking at the executioner, oh, I hear he's very good and I have a very small neck. (laughs) (laughs) which is so iconic. She also wore a regal gown to her execution. And in this one final smoke show outfit, she made lots of fashion-based digs at her ex. We probably wouldn't understand it now, but to the crowd that assembled to watch Anne's execution, they would have seen her hood and her fur, and they would have known that these were specific things that only an English queen was allowed to wear. So it was Anne's way of saying, even to the very end, damn you, Henry, I am the queen of England, and I will retain this status literally until my dying breaths. It was just a really badass way to go out. And when it comes to Anne's death, we don't know her exact age, but we do know that she was definitely far too young. Too young. 
She was probably between 28 and 35 at most. Anyway, after Anne's death, we do have to pause and give Henry credit. Credit where credit is due. Henry does respectfully wait uh, 11 long, grief-filled, I'm sure, days after Anne's execution before inviting Jane to come live with him in the castle. 11 days, people. Oh, he's just got such, like, middle-aged divorced dad energy. Not even two weeks. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Anne didn't deserve him. She didn't. She just didn't. She deserved much better than Henry. But... I do have some good news, which is that sometimes with these queens, they really have had really horrible reputations that haven't ever really been rehabilitated. And that's not true for Anne. I think there's so much reconsideration of her in popular culture, and rightfully so. Um, There are lots of people who are interested in her. Uh, That wasn't always the case. Directly following her execution, people like the Catholic propagandist Nicholas Sanders were like, she had 11 fingers. There was a cyst on her neck. And for some reason, she had a snaggle tooth, and that was like real bad. Um, (laughs) But boo to you, sir. No one believes you anymore. that's deserved. all deserved. Yeah. Untrue. Everyone knows it's untrue. Um, and I actually just want to say a side note. I'm really looking forward to Jodie Turner Smith as Anne Boleyn in the in the new um, so ready for series. That, that looks yes. awesome. However, even though we've had this rehabilitation of her, I think the biggest thing that does remain in our consciousness is this idea that Anne was just a minx, mm-hmm. that she went to court, seduced Henry, pulled him away from Catherine. Um, And I think you look back on that and you see a lot of times where she's just trying to save her own skin. I mean, the king is coming at you and saying like, well, I want you to have my sons. (laughs) And... (laughs) What do you do? It's it's a dangerous, dangerous world. And not to not leave any room for her own agency or her own desires, but I don't think she's this seductress that we still sometimes associate yeah. with. She's not a one-dimensional femme fatale. There's more going mm-hmm. on there. She also has mm-hmm. a really incredible legacy with her daughter, Queen Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Who I maintain got all her best qualities from her mama and all her worst uh, definitely from her dad. Absolutely. And Elizabeth kept like a locket, I think, or like a portrait of Anne with her almost at all times. She truly loved her memory and I I love thinking about mm-hmm. the way that Anne lived on in Elizabeth and just kind of vindicated herself through that. Yeah, the queen we mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. have had. Yeah. And I think it's more than like mother-daughter bonding. I think it's game recognizing game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So cheers to you, Anne Boleyn. Uh, history did you dirty for a long time and that's not cool. And I'm glad to see that it's seeing you as a more fulsome person lately. Long overdue and very well deserved. Hell yeah. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about Anne Boleyn, please check out our article on her. The link is in the show notes. We will be back next week with another iconic queen to tell you about. But until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was a damn soap opera. Yes, it was. Bye. Bye.